With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Eleven o'clock hour. It's five minutes past the hour of eleven. As the man just said, we will have another keyword coming up here uh, at the end of this segment. Uh, following that, we'll get to Tom Kakerd as he will recap the uh, Kirk Ferentz and the players' press conference from yesterday. But to kick off the hour, we are going to talk Iowa State. Dave Sprow, our go-to guy, K A S I, our sister station in Ames. The Cyclones play on fourteen thirty in Ames, and Dave Sprow joins us. Dave Trenton, Ken, how was your week, Dave Sprow? Not too bad. I actually got to go out and play some golf yesterday. I'm Did you? That happened. Where'd you play? Uh, the municipal course up here in Ames. Just a short nine-holer, but uh, easy to walk. And, uh, you know, when you flub it around like I do, <laughs> it's... Uh, you know, less embarrassing. You got your money's worth. Plenty of shots by the sounds of things. Is that it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Plenty of swings. Yeah, get paid by the swing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, let's uh, a lot of ground to cover with you. I do want to get. Uh, did you see the piece in the athletic? By the way, the state of the program, the basketball program. Did you read that? Yeah, sure did. All right, so we'll get to that in a few minutes. But let's start with football. Um, the Big Twelve came out with their uh, with their all conference team. They're all Big Twelve team uh, preseason all Big Twelve team. Three Iowa State guys are on it. No surprise uh, who they are. Jaquan Bailey's coming off of injury. Uh, certainly belongs on there. Uh, Greg Eisworth, I think, is their um, best player, maybe on defense. Although Mike Rose might argue with that, he's not on the list. And of course, uh, at tight end, Charlie Kohler is. Let me ask it this way to both of you guys. If there was another Cyclone that deserves to be on there, Dave, you first. What Cyclone was snubbed? Uh, well, the easy answer to that is Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Ellinger is a really good quarterback for Texas, obviously. And you're going to get a little more attention when you're playing for a, a team like Longhorns. But when you look mm-hmm. at the numbers last season, Purdy had, uh, if I got this right, better completion percentage, more yards, more yards per attempt, and fewer interceptions. Ellinger had him beat in terms of uh, rushing yards and uh, more touchdown passes. Uh, in fact, he tied for the lead in the Big 12 in touchdown passes last year. So you can make arguments on both sides there, but if there's one guy you can say, well, you know, that's the one you really, for Iowa State, uh, would think would be the guy, other than the three you mentioned, uh, it would probably be Brock Purdy. Maybe you can make an argument for Brees Hall as well, but uh, I'm going I, I, to. Purdy's the first one that comes to mind. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly where I was going. And, and Puka Williams is a nice player playing yeah, but you'd in a have, dreadful program. Right. You'd rather have Brees Hall. Well, would you? I, yeah, I would. In terms of talent, uh-huh. I think it might be a wash. Who's going to have the better year? Who's going to be on a better team? Is it? Well, an that's easy just one. it, right? And I think you probably are. They throw in Kansas. Look, I'm with Remember, you. he was a four star that had an LSU offer and left I, Louisiana and went I to Kansas. Know. This dude's talented himself. I, I know he's a good player. And, and he's got the Kansas offensive mm-hmm. line in front of him. Mm-hmm. But still, I think Brees Hall certainly would be one. You can make a very compelling argument 
guy that wasn't even a starter until a couple of games in and still rushed for almost 1,000 yards. Yeah, and I, I'm with you, Trent. He would be the guy. I think Mike Rose, too, is, is such a terrific oh, player, yeah. linebacker-wise. Uh, but um, anyways, it, it's fun to have these conversations. So we'll put that on the back burner. Uh, that was good info on the uh, on Purdy's numbers going up against Sam Ellinger. Mm-hmm. Ellinger did not have a good year last year. Remember at the end of the bowl game, Texas is back, and then he certainly didn't back that up. Uh, in his junior season, so let's move on, Dave Sproul. Uh, what's uh, what is the latest at uh, at Iowa State as far as what they're doing and when the uh, uh, when the coaching staff is going to you know take over and do what they do? What's uh, what's the latest news from Iowa State this week? Uh, we'll get the Pollard's letter in a minute because I thought that was incredibly transparent and well received. But on the field, have they been able to do anything, Dave? I think they've been kind of continuing. I, I think this week they were supposed to be able to start working more one-on-one with guys. So I imagine that's been wrapped up and more athletes are probably more athletes in general. I know are making it onto campus now, especially freshmen. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing that's the case too with, with football that more guys are just getting integrated into the program. They're, they're doing, you know, all the protective uh, measures they can and keeping things socially distant and, you know, making sure everybody stays in their bubble off the field. And that's easy to do in a sense because, you know, summer classes are online only right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything on campus is wrapping up towards getting them back in the classroom in, in the fall. And, and football will, and the other sports will have to adjust to that as we go along. But, you know, it really doesn't hit high gear until you get closer to the, the start of August. And when you really start hitting it hard in fall camp and you go nearly every day and you have large groups together and guys hitting and scrimmaging. And we'll see if that, you know, continues. And we'll find out when they finally do have Big 12 media days. But, uh, I, I don't know if we'll get much of an update, you know, on the record from coaches uh, before then. Uh, but uh, it'll be, you know, in, in these next few weeks until that happens, uh, we'll see just kind of a, a trickle of guys coming onto campus and and getting integrated into individual workouts. But I think the coaches now are freer to start working with guys, giving more time one on one. Dave, the uh, the piece that. Ken mentioned a little bit earlier Jamie Pollard addressing the Cyclone fans and the supporters out there and just the realities of this financial situation and what Iowa State and programs across the country are looking. $40 million short if we don't have live sports. It is, it's an eye-opening number and certainly something that has to concern not just Cyclone fans but college sports fans right. across the country. Yeah, I'm sure it, it, it'll sound some alarm bells, uh, no doubt with a lot of people just to see that number, you know, in stark reality. And it's interesting, you know, to see Pollard kind of just lay it out there and say, yeah, part of this is about money. Health and safety is a huge priority. Obviously, you know, he references that in, in that letter too, but he, he pointed out the importance of having football and having the revenue that football generates, not only for the football program, but for the athletic department in general. And, and not just about, you know, having, the ability to do practices or, or hold actual competitions. It's also about, you know, the academic support, the nutritional support, the other support systems that are around athletics. All that is funded by and large by football programs. And so he, he kind of put that out there in, in stark relief. I, I think it's worth mentioning, too, he, he, Pollard brought up the, the possibility of making cutbacks, including, you know, shuttering other programs. Right. I do find it interesting athletic directors often go to that well, so to speak, when it comes to making cutbacks and they don't talk much about actually cutting back the football program itself, which yeah, on the one hand, they are the biggest revenue generators and you're going to put the biggest investment in there. But at the same time, every power five program, and you could probably say every division one program probably has bloat in its football programs because there's been so much money 
generated by athletics revenue in the last 10, 15, 20 years, uh, that a lot of that has gone into uh, football. And the athletic departments in general, they've got to find a way to spend that money because they don't want to have a profit on their ledger at the end of the year. This right. is amateur sports. You can't, yeah. You're not allowed to do that. So there's ne- seldom I hear talk about you know actually making cutbacks. We know there will be salary reductions for Matt Campbell and, and his staff to some degree, but in terms of the number of support personnel you have there or you know the number or the money you spend on what you might call creature comforts uh, that in a normal year, say you okay, it enhances your your ability to recruit or enhances your ability to train and work with athletes. But at the end of the day, are some of those things really necessary to put together a, a football season? And can you get by without those? Uh, and so often the talk just goes straight to eliminating programs. And that's something maybe, you know, hopefully the narrative can change a little bit, but it's one thing I always find interesting with athletics from athletic department officials start talking about budget. Yeah, it's a great point, Dave. Dave Sproul, 1430. It seems like we're uh, on the precipice of a uh, one huge market correction, if you will, when it comes to sports. And and certainly football, uh, as you say, there seems to be, in a lot of cases anyway, some of the fat that can be trimmed, and you're right on the money. It's a, it's amateur, and all that money that's coming in, all of it has to go out because if you, you want to keep, maintain uh, those tax advantages, and um, you, you just have to spend it. So, Excellent point on that one. Dave Sproul uh, is joining us from 1430 up in Ames. Well, uh, Dave, the media days postponed. Some took it as a bad sign. I didn't. I just think that it's prudent. I mean, if you would have held your virtual media days uh, this week, if you will, or next week, whenever it was scheduled to be, you know, there would be one question after another about, you know, what do you think the chances are? Are you guys going to play? Dot, dot, dot. I mean, everybody, that would question would be asked time after time after time until there's a little bit of clarity and a plan has been put in place uh, so the question maybe can be answered with some you know intelligence behind it I don't look as this as they're waving the white flag there's no football I look at it as a prudent decision to back it up until there's some answers yeah yeah I agree with you on that Ken uh, it would be really difficult to put athletes in particular and coaches in front of microphones and say what's what's going to happen this season when they really don't know. I mean, the NCAA and the Power Five leagues just yesterday came out with a kind of a set of guidelines mm-hmm. that that teams can follow and in all likelihood will if, if there is a season. In fact, but uh, you know, and Mark Emmert himself pointed out that the trend line is going in the wrong direction. Uh, you don't want your your student athletes, quote unquote, and your your coaches going up in front of microphones and saying you know trying to parse you know where the COVID-19 statistics are in your state or nationwide and, and trying to figure all that out. So we get to August 3rd when the virtual media day is now uh, scheduled for. Uh, hopefully we do have a clearer idea of what the, of whether a football season will happen first and foremost and what it will look like when it, it comes down to that. You know, when we spoke last week, uh, Matt Campbell had just got done talking to uh, the media and you asked me a lot of questions about what might have come up, and I and, and they didn't come up, and I think that speaks to the number of questions that are still out there to to be resolved when it comes to, to dealing with this on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, it would be extremely difficult to address that now. It might not be any easier. We'll see August 3rd, but there's hope that maybe it will. So, obviously, a hole in the Iowa State schedule right now with only 11 games that are scheduled with the Iowa game off the table the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 are talking about maybe contingency plans of coming together. But inside our state, the continued conversation, you and I also lost a game. Would that make sense? What are you hearing, either as it pertains to conference only for the Big 12 
or adding another game to the schedule to get back to a 12 games with three non-conference. What's the latest on the Iowa State side and Big 12 side on that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting to hear about those discussions you mentioned with the three leagues maybe talking about working something out because mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of holes in the schedule with the Big 12 and Pac-12 or Pac and, and Big 10 both, uh, you know, throwing the non-conference games out the window. And, you know, I, I, I looked it up to week two schedules in the Big Ten and see, you know, my easy solution for Iowa State is to, you know, talk to the schools that were scheduled to play a Big Ten opponent that week and invite them to come to Jack Trey Stadium and say, you know, here's what the revenue split will be and all that and, you know, just fill the, the hole that way. You can, get, you can get a nice little Mac school or something like that in there. That would be really intriguing if you can schedule another Power Five conference. It would, and it would yeah. have to come from the SEC, yeah, or ACC uh, you know, maybe they end up sending Iowa State out to Clemson, and maybe oh, that's not boy. So exciting, or maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is because you get you get an exciting matchup against a big time opponent. Who knows? Right. Uh, but it, it'll be intri- really intriguing to see how all that uh, plays out. And then you know, the NCAA also uh, allows for this, this upcoming season. Now you can use two FCS opponents as part of your uh, bowl totals. You know, bowl qualification win totals. Uh, typically, it's just one allowed, so you don't typically play more than one FCS school in a season. Well, Iowa State already has one FCS school on the schedule. Could they add Northern Iowa? And I don't know what Northern Iowa has scheduled that, that second week or what flexibility uh, Iowa State or Northern Iowa might have to add that game, but it certainly would be an intriguing possibility as well. Two ACC teams I saw that uh, are off in week two because of the Big Ten cancellations. Syracuse was supposed to go to Rutgers, and Virginia Tech was supposed to host Penn State. I'd be intrigued by either one either of those one games. Either one of them, right? Bring them on. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Dave Sprow is our guest. Uh, Dave, let's get to uh, let's get to basketball. The state of the uh, the state of the program. Uh, it was a great piece in the Athletic. If you uh, are not a subscriber to the Athletic, we uh, Trent and I have both uh, long well since it started. Uh, I certainly feel like we're getting our money's worth. It was good. It was a really good read. Boy, you know what, Dave? I don't think it's as gloom and doom. Look, they're going to need some NCAA help to come their way, right? They're going to need uh, the two guys to get uh, eligibility right off the bat. If indeed that happens, uh, that would be uh, terrific if the news goes their way. But we shall see. You never know when it comes to the NCAA in so many ways. Harris uh, from uh, from Memphis, of course, Henson from, from Old Miss. If they get those two guys immediately eligible with what's left on the roster, which was sitting out on the roster from last year, the freshman coming in, a seven-footer in the middle, uh, not to put too much on uh, Foster's shoulders as a true freshman. But I think that... Um, you know, as, as, as kind of down as I was on Iowa State after their season ended last year, if they get some things to go their way, all of a sudden this looks like it could be yet another fun winter um, up in Ames. Yeah, and if those two guys get their eligibility and, and are able to play right away, uh, that gives Steve from something you talked a lot about in that, that article with Dana O'Neill. Um, that, you know, he's got a lot of versatility and a lot of depth. And he talked about how, you know, when Iowa State has had success, whether it was with Fred Hoiberg or, or under his leadership, uh, he, what he called interchangeable dribble pass shoot guys. So guys who bring versatility, guys who could play multiple positions, or you could look at it as positionless basketballs, as the, the phrase goes. And that's something that, uh, that Steve Brown really, you know, embraces and, and, you know, has had success with, uh, certainly at Iowa State. So if he can get that and get a lot of versatility out of his team, uh, there's, there's good reason to, to feel, uh, 
better about the way the team goes. If Solomon Young can stay healthy yeah. for a full season, you got more depth uh, at, in the middle there between him, George Condit, and then Foster coming in. And then you just got a bunch of guys who can maybe hang around the perimeter, space out the floor, work the ball around, or, or dribble, penetrate, whatever, and, and get the job done that way. And I think there is reason to be optimistic. Um, if you you know want to look at the flip side of that, you know the worst case scenario is the two transfers don't get their their eligibility right away and suddenly you got kind of a thin looking team i know it's only two guys but there's two guys you're you're planning on you know kind of helping build the team around and you lose those two guys you lose a lot of that versatility and depth so uh that's a that's a huge swing uh if if one of the or both of those guys get eligible then you're really got a lot of room for optimism who makes the biggest impact here, the incoming freshman, four guys coming in? You get one choice. You can either have Xavier Foster, and this is for this year only, or the field. The other three players, Blackwell, Dunbar, and Walker. Who makes the biggest impact, Foster or one of the other three? I, I got to go Foster. I, I might be biased because he's got a lot of the hype. He's highly ranked. The other guys are pretty highly ranked, too, mm-hmm. but uh, Foster was just such a, a prize as a recruit for Iowa State, and the, Part of that is because of his size and his athletic ability. Uh, the fact that uh, he brings just a, a great deal of talent to the court that could really, you know, make an impact right away. I think he's the guy to watch for. He could, he could be a linchpin, uh, and, you know, not to put too much on him, but if he can just, you know, find himself, work himself into a role and and be productive at, right away as a freshman, I think he's got probably the best chance of, of the newcomers to do that. Well, Trent Con, we go back to yesterday when we had Eric Heft on, Dave. Yeah. We were looking back at the 85-86 team. He said, don't sleep on Dunbar. What's his first name? Darlinston? Yes. Uh, Dunbar. Darlington. Yeah, he said he's his sleeper in this class. For what it's worth, I know nothing about him, but I certainly respect the hell out of Eric <laughs> Heft's opinion. Uh, so that's what he said. Dave, we're out of time. Have a wonderful weekend. I uh, appreciate you coming on, and we'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Dave Sproul. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you, Dave Sproul. 1430 uh, in Ames, K-A-S-I. The Cyclones play on K-A-S-I in Ames. KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword BANK to 200-200 right now. That's your chance to win $1,000. That's BANK to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Alright, uh, we will come back. We'll switch from the clones to the Hawks. Tom Kakert was in attendance at the football press conference yesterday. Tom joins us when we come back here. Miller and Condon are with you on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106... Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Thank you to MCMIC. Uh, a couple of farmers markets this weekend, Trent Condon, in addition to the Global Greens that you just spoke of, mm-hmm. Indianola, uh, they're twice weekly, uh, Saturdays from 8 until noon. Of course, on Wednesday as well, there's the Warren County Fairgrounds, Uptown Ankeny is underway, uh, they're uh, 9 to noon, Uptown Ankeny, Global Greens, and Indianola Farmers Markets on tap uh, here tomorrow. One quick thing that broke since we've come on the air. Governor Reynolds uh, has said that schools, Iowa schools, must provide 
more than half of their schooling in person. Okay, okay. So you, half of it, I don't know how you're going to break that up, mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, more than half of it has to be actually physically in the schools. So they she's come signing down to a hours. proclamation. Yeah, that, that comes down to hours. It's not just days in the okay, classroom. is that what so, it is? Got it. And, and that's when you look at teacher contracts, that's the way that that works. So, yeah, very well. You still really could do two days in school. You just have to have longer days in order to hit the required hours, I'm sure, for this proclamation. But uh, always news happening. How do you feel 10 hours a week? I tell everybody it's very, very easy. There's always something to talk about. Well, Trent, here's the other thing. Uh, This is kind of a trick question. This weekend Uh is the last weekend in our lives without a major sport, without the big four. Uh There will be baseball, football, basketball, or hockey. Every weekend. Forever. We, forever. We're never shutting it down again. This is it. We made You're it. You're making your proclamation. That's what. <laughs> you know, I wish somebody would put me in charge. Right. Damn it. Yeah. I'm but, neutral. I don't care either right. way. Party has nothing to do. I'm kind of Switzerland. That's a great idea. All right. We should politic for that. Tom Caker joins us. Tom, this is the last weekend. We won't have a major uh, with a, a major sport not showing up on our televisions for the rest of our life. Sound good to you? Fingers crossed, man. I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. We're all I'm hoping. hoping. We need that. We need that, don't we? Oh man, in a big, big way, no doubt about it. Uh, Tom, uh, let's get to uh, let's get to the Hawks. And uh, yesterday, the uh, Kirk Ferentz and three of the players held the. Um... Now, how much time? How much notice did you guys get? Did you know this was coming, Tom? I mean, weeks in um, advance, or was this kind of you know beginning of the week? We're going to get together Friday. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything until the the press release came out. So um, it was kind of a surprise. I was hoping we would get something, but um, you never know. Yeah. Uh, but it's good that that we were able to uh, talk to Kirk and, and and a few players just about how things are are going. And, and traditionally, we would be getting something a couple times during the summer anyway. So uh, usually with players. Uh, so this was kind of normal that we would get to talk to some players, not necessarily Kirk, but um, yeah, I, it's good to talk to, but you know, as usual, most of it circled around other stuff and mm-hmm. not really about football, but that's okay. You know, you you know going into it that Kirk Ferentz isn't going to say anything inflammatory. He is very guarded and close with his words. You're not going to have that big headline that's going to lead off your piece or anything like that or be at the top of HawkeyeReport.com. Still, your takeaways from Kirk, listening to him and going deeper inside what the program has done, working to heal, working to get better. What did his words mean to you? Yeah, I think um, it's just been that feeling that it feels like a, a burden has kind of been lifted off the program uh, in, in some ways, just listening to the players more particularly, that just people feel more comfortable around the program, uh, you know, especially the black players feel more comfortable, um, feel less kind of restricted. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Kirk kind of owned some things just saying basically – uh, you know, I needed to pay more attention to a few things and um, um, and probably missed it because he said several times, I thought our culture was really good March 13th, but apparently I was wrong and I and missed out on really kind of diving further into that uh, diversity task 
Force uh, report that um, that was put out uh, earlier in the year. So I, I think those were kind of the big frontline takeaways, the off-the-field stuff. Mm. Jack Kerner was a big part of it yesterday as well, as far as an update. Boy, this sounds like, uh, obviously, uh, it was very scary the way it ended out with the, the other uh, fellow that was uh, was involved in it. But Kerner sounds like he's back with the team, uh, but taking his time. Is that uh, is that how you saw it or, or heard it yesterday, Tom? Yeah, that's how I heard it from Kirk. And he should take his time. I mean, that was a that was a traumatic event, really? and Jack was lucky that he was not um, more severely injured. And uh, in that situation, his friend uh, not as fortunate. Right. And I think the trauma of that is probably something that Jack's still dealing with. So they're giving him some space. Um, yeah, I you know I think he'll be ready to go once football gets going. But it, it's just they're not going to push things but it doesn't sound like there's a lot going on football wise to be honest and i think that might be a little bit of a concern too you know we haven't got when the numbers come from the university of iowa it hasn't been broken down by sport by athlete that type of thing so there's been a lot of speculation some rumors that are out there that i'm heard i'm sure you have heard too tom but we did hear kirk say that there has been cases inside the program no hospitalizations that have come out of it but sounds like maybe it's it's permeated certainly deeper than has been reported in terms of official cases through the football program yeah, and the challenge that Iowa is having and that every other program is having is not um, a large number of cases. And and this is kind of the thing that I've stressed over and over to people is it's not, um, you know, kind of a rash of COVID cases or the severity of COVID cases because, by and large, most of these young athletic guys are, are going to fare pretty well with this and, and show – little to no symptoms, but it's the fact, and Kirk touched on this, the fact that, and some of the players touched on this, it's the fact that, um, you know, if one guy gets it, everybody who he lives with is down, plus some other guys are down, and and they have to go into quarantine, and that's going to be a huge problem, and that's going to be the the biggest impediment right now, I think, to getting college football going is how they're dealing with these protocols. Mm. And how transparent will they be, Tom? Is this, will will Iowa do it how they want, or will they be, uh, will there be guidelines from the conference as to how they're going to let the, um, let the public know uh, that player X is not going to be available this week? Have you heard anything about, you know, an availability report? Would Iowa... Uh, I, w- I would like to think that the, 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 it's come from the Big Ten, but have you heard that? I uh, have not, and I think what's going to stand in the way of that are the HIPAA regulations uh, about disclosures of health issues that, um, that they won't be specific. So, you know, before games, um, we'll just be down there, okay, all these guys are here, right. and mm-hmm. this guy's not here, and Oof. we don't know why he's not here, but he's not here, and it's going to be, that's how it's going to be this fall, I think. It's just, and, uh, you know, for those of us who might like to uh, right. uh, partake in uh, some activities, uh, it, uh, that makes it very challenging this fall to, uh, to wager on games. 
<laughs> wager one way or the other. It's fine. It'll be fine. And, uh, well, I think I don't think that they're going to allow wagering on college football, but I'm the one. So. You're, you're the one. I think you're absolutely crazy. And if what, we'll, we'll find an offshore. That will they will take guys. our money. Yeah. They will take our money. They let's, will. They will. Tom Caker joining us, HawkeyeReport.com. Hey, why don't you uh, jump over the conversation, talk to three players yesterday with Brandon Smith. And... Question was uh, asked about the quarterback position. He talked about all the guys that are in that room, but then was asked specifically about Spencer Petras. You got to know him during the recruiting yeah. process, of course, uh, with rivals over there. A guy that certainly seems wired much differently than Nate Stanley. It's a mm-hmm. conversation we had for four years. He was not a loud guy. Brandon Smith said he's not a rah-rah guy. That was not Nate Stanley. How different is Spencer Petras? And take us in a little bit to the new quarterback what he's going to be, what you anticipate he'll look like. And, I mean, we're talking about a Drew Tate hothead out there. We're talking a little bit more even kill. Somewhere probably in between Tate and Stanley would be my guess, though. Yeah, it's somewhere between Drew Tate and Nate Stanley, which are the two extremes. Right. Um, maybe a little bit like a, kind of a James Vandenberg, okay. I think. You know, we're a little bit fiery competitor to let that uh, kind of personality show a little bit. Um I think that's probably a fair comparison in terms of personality where he's got a little bit of a personality or, you know, Stanley, it was, it, it took us two years to get to know him a little bit and, and earn his trust. And he was pretty good, but you know, and Tate, you could always tell what was going on with him. Um, but I, you know, I, I think maybe he's James Vandenberg, Rick Stanzi kind of, kind of guy more than uh, anybody else. Who's a tougher quarterback, Beathard or Tate? Oh, boy, that's a good one. Um, There's a summer topic. You know what? <laughs> they both were. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good topic. I I almost kind of think Drew was, but um, uh, boy, CJ was just such a competitor oh, too, and he just sure both guys just would find a way to win football games, and that's kind of their mentality. Uh, and their leadership kind of takes over. But different kinds of guys, though. I mean, C.J. wasn't a rah-rah um, guy either, uh, but Drew was more in your face, and C.J.'s just not built like that. Oh, We've been going back here over these last four months, Ken and I, we've been talking about great memorable teams here in the state. That 2005 team, certainly not a great team, a disappointing team, preseason top 10 and limped to a 7-5 and five season that year. But the injury to Drew Tate, now, there are the rumors. He did it throwing hail bales at the Solon Beef days, and, and that's where the injury came from. But, A, how debilitating. Take us back 15 years ago because I know we've passed that tenure where maybe there's some things you couldn't say at the time. Just how bad was that injury? And did it come from Solon in the Beef days? <laughs> he got banged up a couple times, and he hurt his, uh, his hand, too. Oh, really? Um, uh, during the season, uh, hurt his thumb um and that was but that was 2006 i think going into that season wasn't it pretty sure because he he ended up because uh, jason manson ended up starting that that syracuse game because drew was hurt um i think that was 2006 but 2005 it just was weird it just seemed like once they lost that that michigan game things just kind of unraveled and uh in that year and then the the Northwestern game in 05 was just, guess, you know, you're up and go for two, Kurt. Your control of that game. Yeah. Up 12, you know, go for two. Just, yeah. Just a tough game. 
Uh, Tom, if the, was was uh, Coach Ferentz asked at all about schedule when he thinks that he'll know what this, uh, how the schedule is going to uh, fall? Yeah, he didn't know anything. Nothing. He just kind of knows yeah. as much as we do, or at least that's what he was telling us. Yeah. Um, curious what they're gonna what they're gonna do if they're gonna just go with ten games and what game they would add yeah. to the the slate of games for, for Iowa, it'll obviously be a crossover game, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, you know, I think everything's on the table for them and, um, be interested to see what they come up with. Tom Caker joining us, HawkeyeReport.com, part of the Rivals Network here on Miller and Condon. Tom, we talk to you basically every week and, uh, you know, last week when we were talking Luca Garza, I think most everybody certainly inside the Iowa media and Iowa fans felt like, the chances were really good, 90-10, 95-5, whatever it is, that he was going to make his way back. Frank Garza made some comments over the weekend, both on Twitter and then talking to the guys over at 24-7 about offers on the table from Europe and and the great unknown. After what we went through a week ago, the Big Ten canceling non-conference for football and still don't know what college basketball is, where's the decision today? As we await that August 2nd deadline that he's put out and, and said that's when the decision is going to be made a better chance maybe now that Luca Garza decides to go play professionally somewhere, wherever that turns out to be? Um, I don't think it's any different than it was mm, before, to be honest. I think he's just waiting to... All those things have been on the table for a while. I mean, it's not like that was new um, last week. I mean, he's had these opportunities. His, his, his slate of options hasn't changed. It's just, I think he wants more information about what in the world is college basketball going to do? Is it just going to, you know, is, and I don't think we're going to have any clarity because I'm, I'm guessing um, we're probably not going to have a traditional non-conference season for college basketball. It's probably not going to start in November. Um, it's probably not going to be played in December. It's probably going to be waiting until January, and it's probably going to be conference games, just like unless we have some miracle developments uh, in treatments or, um, vaccines or something like that by the end of the year uh, that can get out to people. I, I just don't see anything different. But it, it, you know, conference games, round robin. Maybe you play them on uh, play them at, at neutral site locations. Play them in Chicago or something or Indianapolis, and just bring all the conference teams in and play kind of round robin for about a month, and and then take a break and then do it again. I, I that seems like something maybe that might work i don't know but bubble worked for the tbt yep. uh pretty much you know i think they they had some problems but overall i thought the tbt thing came off pretty well i did too and i love the elam ending i'm not advocating that it needs to come to college basketball but in the tbt and events like that all-star games or whatever i think it's got a, it's got its place but it's a it's a unique ending do you like the elam ending tom I do. I do. I like it. Um, but, you know, this would be a fun year to just experiment with it, with yeah. that and see what it's like Fair. and see if we really like it for college basketball and, um, you know, even professional basketball. I don't know why they wouldn't do that for um, these kind of prelim games down in Orlando, the seven or eight games yeah. or whatever they're playing, mm-hmm. each team's playing down in Orlando to tune up for the playoffs. Why not just do Elam endings for those? It'd be fun. See what it's like. That. Yeah, it's uh, this. If there is a time to experiment to do some of these off the wall things, this does seem like the ideal time. I hate the ending. I, I know just, you do. I can't sell you. No, no buzzer beater. 
Paul Jesperson's half-court heave to beat Texas. Nope, don't get those anymore. They are off the table. No thanks. Yeah, but you don't get the foul fest and the yeah. games take the last couple of minutes of games. Where are you going? 50. You're watching TV well, anyway. That's true. I'm not to like I have to beat traffic, right? <laughs> uh, Tom, good to talk to you. We will do so in a week's time. Have a good weekend, Tom Kakert. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank Bye-bye. you, Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Uh, 15 minutes before the hour of noon, Miller and Condon will come back. Our final segment of the week coming up next as we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 10- Ash. Woohoo! All right, Miller and Condon, final couple of minutes of the week for us. Tomorrow morning, Emery and Sean will be on the air, the Saturday morning pregame. 8 until 10, so don't miss that. Uh, by the way, from earlier in the show when we were talking about there will be fans in attendance <laughs> tomorrow at the Iowa Speedway, I guess 5,000 is the number. And do you know what capacity is? I don't. I don't remember off the either. Do, I don't know. I can't help you there, but 5,000 is the capacity this week. Yes. Uh, apparently, so we, we can help you there. Good for them, and good that they're going to be able to get mm-hmm. a little income coming in there, yeah, which is good point. very, very important. And uh, for the race fans, I'm sure they're going to be excited for it, too. Well, it's the first time. Is it the first time it'll be open? I think it is. I think yeah. this is the first race of the year. Anyways, it'll be going on, and I believe, uh, I know there's television you said there is tonight on yeah. NBC, S, NBC Sports SN. I'm sure if they're doing the um, qualifying. They'll show the race at some point tomorrow. So we'll watch that, and that will be it. This will be the final week without any of the major sports on our television. Fingers crossed. Tiger uh, got one back. He's now uh, he's four over on his round. He's two shots uh, below the cut line. So he's got two holes left. He needs to go mm-hmm. birdie, birdie just to get to two over and then hope. Uh, one note that we didn't get to this week I did want to uh, throw at you. From the week we missed it? Yeah. It was uh, our neighbors to the north up in Minnesota. Uh-huh. Did you see St. Thomas, a very pr- successful Division three program. That. yes. Making the first ever mm-hmm. leap from D3. All the way. To D1. Uh-huh. They'll be in the Summit League for basketball, which is great news, a couple of different reasons. A, for kids here that even at maybe you and I, not quite mm-hmm. good enough to play at you and I, their options were South Dakota State, North Dakota State, those type of things. A different option there and a really good university in St. Thomas to do it at. But it's always been baffling to me. Iowa has four D1 programs, at least as it pertains to basketball. South Dakota has a couple. North Dakota has a couple. Yeah. Yet Minnesota, that state, has one Division One program. No longer. And yeah, going to be a, a lot of different options. And I'm sure those Dakota schools that I just mentioned mm-hmm. can't be too pleased with this because no, that's, that's a destination no doubt. for a lot of those Minneapolis kids that aren't good enough to play for the Gophers, but they can go there and at least stay close to home. A good well, hockey school, home. too. Yeah. They're, that's one thing they didn't announce of what league they're going to be joining. Mm. That was the one uh, question. The women's program is joining the WCHA is what the women's program is going to do, and we'll see where they end up. Another D1. How far from Minneapolis? I think I passed it on my way from... Was I'm driving Fargo to Minneapolis? Don't I, Pat? Isn't that the? Isn't that where I? I'm pretty sure I do. It's not too far outside of Minneapolis. I think maybe, unless I'm thinking of something completely different. No, St. Thomas is in St. Paul. Okay, so what am I thinking of? 
St. Cloud State? Maybe. I don't remember what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I've never made that drive before, so. Oh, I made it. I a can't help you. Made it a bunch of times. Anyways, uh, what do you got planned for the weekend? You got high school baseball tonight, correct? Yes. Yeah, it'll be the Valley Tigers against Indianola, the opening round of sub-state play. So uh, we'll have that. Then we'll come back on Monday with the semifinal round of sub-state. Tuesday night, sub-state final for 1A, 2A. And then Wednesday, sub-state final for 3A and 4A. So we're going to play busy. by play. Yes. Whew. Following week, it's state baseball. Well, really, it starts over the weekend with 1A. They go Friday, Saturday with two games each. And extend this thing out, get through it, and hopefully no more teams that have to drop out. Yeah, that's fingers crossed, right? Especially get this deep into the into the season. All right, Murph and Andy are sliding on in here at 2 o'clock. The Fanatics will be here at 4 uh, Monday, we're um, working on something I think is going to be very informative if we can yes. pull this off uh, so regarding uh, college football and, and return to play. So we will uh, tell you more about that on Monday, hopefully, and some of the checklists that they're going through. Enjoy your final week without baseball. This is it. The weekend. Next weekend, this it is, is going to be jam-packed. Do something nice with the wife, okay? Sure, you got to. This build, is it. Build those brownie points this weekend. I've got so many of them in the bank, Trent. I got years worth after this last four. A little months. more antiquing for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Murph and Andy, two fanatics for morning rush on Monday pregame tomorrow. Miller and Condon, thanks for being here. Fourteen sixty 